So let's review. The Mishnah on Dav Beis discusses the case of Shnaim Eichs Metalis, two people who are holding onto a garment, both claiming ownership and rules Yachleiku Bishvua. After swearing, they divide it equally. The Gemara earlier contrasted this halacha with several similar cases and now cites another case. Shnaim Shefkidu Eitzel Echad Zemana Bezemasayim. If two people entrusted the same person with some money, one with 100 zuz and the other with 200 zuz. Now, both claim that the 200 zuz is theirs. The Rabbanan rule, The Nifkat gives each Mafkid 100 zuz, which are certainly his, and the disputed 100 zuz remain with a third party until its true owner is determined. However, Bitsi counters, If so, the deceitful party has no incentive to admit to the truth. He has nothing to lose. Therefore, he rules the entire sum of 300 zuz remains with the third party. Thus, the deceitful party has an incentive to admit to the truth so that he does not lose his principle. Now, the Gemara explains that our Mishnah may agree with the Rabbanan because although although the entire talus is disputed, it does not remain with the third party because there is a clear distinction between the two cases. In that case, since the third manna certainly belongs to only one of them, we cannot give any part of it to the other without proof. In our case, it is possible that they picked it up simultaneously and it belongs to both of them, and so the Rabban allowed them to swear and divide it. However, it seems that Masnitin do like Rabbi Our Mishnah does not agree with Rabbi because if in that case, he does not allow them to reclaim the hundred zuz, which is certainly theirs. Certainly he should not allow them to divide the talus, which may belong to only one of them. However, the Gemara differentiates as follows. One of the depositors is def- definitely lying. Therefore, Rabbi does not allow them to reclaim what is rightfully theirs, so that he should confess. However, it is possible that neither is lying as they might have picked it up simultaneously and both truly think they picked it up first. Therefore, we allow them to divide it. Having satisfactorily explained the case of Echleiku, the Gemara now contrasts the other cases it referenced. Everyone agrees that the disputed amount remains with a third party. If so, in the case of Chenvenel Pinkasai, if a storekeeper claims to have given items to workers at their employer's request, while the workers deny receiving them, the Tanakama rules that they both swear and collect from the Balabais. The Gemara now questions. Bezin should collect the disputed sum from the Balabais and leave it with a third party until one of them admits. The Gemara differentiates. The storekeeper can argue that he fulfilled his instructions. What do I have to do with your workers? I'm not obligated to believe the workers' oath. Similarly, The worker can argue that he did his job. What do I have with your storekeeper? I'm not obligated to believe the storekeeper's oath. Therefore, they both swear and collect from the Balabais, even though one is certainly lying. In other words, these are two separate cases. However, in the case of the money entrusted for safekeeping, their claims are part of one case, and since one is certainly lying, they cannot collect.
The Gemara now deduces another halacha from our Mishnah. We know, one who admits to part of a claim must swear that he does not owe the remainder of the claim. Similarly, Rebchia adds, one who initially denied the entire claim, and witnesses then testify that he owes at least 50 zuz. He pays 50 zuz and must swear that he does not owe him the remaining 50. The Gemara elaborates, and as Rashi explains, we could ask, why does a Moedah Mictus have to swear? After all, he should be considered like a Meshav Aveda, like someone who voluntarily returns a lost object, who does not have to swear that he did not keep part of it because he has a Migui that he could have simply denied finding anything. So too, every Moedah Mictus has a Migui de Kreifakol. He could have denied it completely. Therefore, he should be Pata Mishvua. The answer is that a Moedah Mictus is required to swear because we suspect it's possible that he wanted to deny the entire claim, but could not brazenly deny the existence of the loan to his creditor's face. Nevertheless, his oath is believed, and we do not say, oh, if he will lie regarding the loan, he will also swear falsely, because we assume he would have admitted to the entire loan. He's merely trying to delay payment until he gets some money. However, if he denied the entire claim, and witnesses testified that he owes part of it, we have no indication that he was merely delaying payment. Therefore, we should not administer an oath based on since he will probably swear falsely as well. Nevertheless, Rabchia asserts, Witnesses can certainly accomplish the same as an admission to require him to swear, and he offers two sources for this assertion. We can deduce this halacha from other cases where we require an oath. If one's own admission, although it cannot obligate him in a penalty, can obligate him to swear, certainly witnesses who can obligate him in a penalty can obligate him to swear. However, we can rejoin, One's admission cannot be contradicted by witnesses, while testimony can be contradicted by another set of witnesses. Similarly, we can argue the following If a single witness, although he cannot obligate him to pay, suffices to obligate one to support his denial with an oath, certainly witnesses who can obligate payment can obligate him to swear. However, we can rejoin, a single witness obligates the defendant to swear to contradict his testimony. This cannot serve as a basis to require one to swear regarding the rest of the claim. The Gemara therefore explains, Each case does not have the characteristics of the other case. Therefore we say, Both cases swear due to circumstances of claims and denials. And Tesis adds, These are cases of credible claims where it appears that he is lying. Therefore, we can derive a general principle and assert that witnesses obligate one to swear in such circumstances as well. Or, Tanatuna, we can support Rebchia's halacha from our Mishnah. Since they are both holding on to the talis, they're each presumed owners, and it is as if they are each supported by witnesses, and therefore do not receive the entire talus. 
Rebchia understands that it is for this reason that they are required to swear regarding the second half, similar to a Moedah The girl will discuss the validity of these proofs in the next half.